from Psalm 95. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and great kings above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and the dry land which his hands have formed. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Oh, that the day you would listen to his voice. Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day of Massah in the wilderness, when your ancestors tested me and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation and said... They are a people whose hearts go astray. They do not regard my way. Therefore, in my anger, I swore they shall not enter my rest. Our second reading is from the book of Acts. I'll be reading from chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all, as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the good will of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. As we have been sharing with you in this season of Lent, we're going to be looking at Adam Hamilton's book, called The Walk, Five Essential Practices of the Christian Life. Adam Hamilton, many of you know, is a pastor, United Methodist pastor, serves the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection in Kansas City. Uh, He writes a lot of books and does a lot of studies, and many uh, folks in this church have have studied and used his books, and uh, so we thought it would be fun this year to do his book on the walk because it so well encompasses kind of the the great practices of what it means for us to be Christians. What does it mean to practice our faith? The five practices are worship and prayer, study, listening and paying attention to God and God's word, service, offering our gifts into the world, living generously, living in a way that shares God's abundance and sharing our faith, reflecting reflecting God's light out into the world. So this week we are talking about worship and prayer, as you may have gathered. What are some things that come to mind for you when you think about worship? I'm always careful to say here on Sunday mornings, we are not going to church. 
we are coming to worship. It's a different thing. We are coming into this place, hopefully, with hearts that are open, with hearts that are open to receive God's word. We live in a world that is so crowded with all kinds of noise and distractions and uh, just we're bombarded with stuff. But when we come into this place, we're coming with a different set of expectations. Do you come into worship each Sunday expecting to encounter God? Or do you come into worship with the same casualness that you walk into the grocery store or walk into McDonald's and order your, your serving of God for the week? Worship is a place of holy encounter. And so we do things like singing that opens our heart. We, we sing, our choir sings, we sing to pray, we sing our joy. Some of our hymns are a thousand years old, and some were written last week. Some have great organ accompaniment and are the sort of what we think of as the classic hymns of the faith, and some are chants, and some are praise choruses, and all of them seek to, to honor and worship God. We worship by praying. We hear God's word. We hear it read from, from the Bible. Sometimes we enact God's word through drama. We do all kinds of ways to open ourselves to hearing differently God's word. Obviously, we celebrate communion. We gather at this table, a table that Christians have gathered at for 2,000 years as a sacred place. Last week, we talked about the thin places where the human and the divine meet. This is one of those thin places where we come with an openness to being nurtured and fed by Christ. We do it in baptism when we present ourselves, our children, to God. We say, God, use us, use our lives. We come to be baptized in weddings. And in funerals, we come into a time of worship, giving thanks to God for lives. So many different ways that we worship. We have different feelings that are experienced in worship. Some of us come into worship seeking peace and quiet, a a somber experience in the midst of the noise of life. Others come hoping to be opened up and to be dancing and to be singing and to be jubilant in worship. Sometimes we want worship to awaken us to mystery and to wonder, to open us to a sense of the majesty and a sense of the ethereal in the midst of our lives. Sometimes worship stirs in us an incredible sense of gratitude. I hope it always stirs in us a sense of gratitude for God's grace in our lives, for the gifts of creation for one another. Sometimes, oftentimes, I see people in worship sharing in the gift of tears, that so much of our lives are so busy and hurried, and sometimes we sit in a pew and the griefs stir up. And we're allowed to cry a little. I say that with a little bit of, uh, it's one of the things I miss in leading worship, that I don't, don't always get to just sit and take it all in. 
Sometimes folks are checking their phones and they're bored in worship. Can't do much about that. How do you like your worship? Joyful, exuberant, loud, moving, stirring, dancing, quiet. All of those things are expressions of worship. All of those things are wonderful in God's eyes. Good worship takes many, many forms. Sometimes we come to worship and we are inspired and enlivened, and other times we are challenged and convicted. If it is our hope to come to worship and not ever be changed, then we're probably not in the right frame of heart if we don't want to be challenged or convicted by God's word. We might need to work on that openness of heart a little bit more. We come into worship. You all decided this morning at some point to come to worship today, and I'm so glad that you did. Somebody needed to see you here this morning, needed to know that you are here. We come into worship to lift all of our lives, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it before God. Now, Adam Hamilton talks about, in the book, two kinds of worship. Our communal worship that we do together, this time, this place. And as we think about our practices, he talks about this as as practices of our Christian faith, he invites us to think about how do we, as, as a community, sort of grow during this season of Lent to commit ourselves to a practice of worship, of corporate worship, of communal worship, and then also a, a private or a devotional worship, a time of prayer. So we're going to be talking about both communal worship and a time of prayer. Now, uh, Pastor Hamilton suggests that we might think about our worship life uh, and our worship attendance Because if all of those things, the praise and the prayer and the singing and the community and the gathering at God's table, if all of those things are essential to our Christian formation, and I believe that they are, then we need to be attentive to them, right? We need to be attentive to worship. So he says, you know, think about it as a grade in school. You know, 90 to 100 percent is an A, 80 to 90% is a B, and so on. You know how it goes. And he said, what if we try to be present in worship and get an A in worship? To be here 90% of the time, 90% of the Sundays in the year. One of the things that has happened in in, uh, the the church in the last uh, 10 years or so, 20 years more, it used to be that your average churchgoer attended worship three out of four Sundays a month. Probably more like four. It was just rare for them to miss a Sunday. Nowadays, that's somewhere around one to two Sundays a month. So that has shifted. It shifted a practice. What if we shifted back? What if we got in the practice of being in worship 90% of the time? Hey, 100% of the time during Lent. Perhaps. So that's an interesting way to think about how, if, if worship is a part of who we are as God's children, if worship is the way that we are formed and the way that we are fed and the way that we structure and live our lives, then let's commit to it. Let's make that an essential function of our life together as a community. The other part of that is our devotional life. Do we spend time each day in prayer? 
My guess is that most of us spend far more time each week listening to our preferred uh, cable news network or our preferred politician than we do centering ourselves in God's Word. What if we reverse that a little bit? What if we created some space in our lives where the televisions were turned off? You didn't turn on your TV for the first hour of every day and just allowed yourself some quiet as you were entering into your day. Some peace, some prayer time. Most of us, if you're not a regular praying person, you're probably not going to jump into an hour a day of prayer. But what if you had 10 minutes a day where you read a psalm, where you sat quietly for three minutes, where you spent a few moments just being prayerfully in the presence of God, sharing with God what's on your heart, confessing where you might have slipped from your, your practices of the faith, praying for friends and family, those who need God's grace? What if, we used, what if we used this season of Lent to develop a new practice? As Christians, we're all practicing. None of us have arrived, and, and practice does not necessarily make perfect. But practice makes a habit. Practice makes us determined And so what if we put the same level of devotion into our private time of prayer with God that we do with some other things that we're practicing? If we were practicing to pick up a musical instrument or a new sport or something like that, we would devote time each day to learning that practice. So I want to challenge us during the season of Lent to be present in worship, get an A in worship, and spend 10 minutes a day in some sort of private devotional time. Now, along with that 10 minutes a day, I want to encourage you to create some space for just quiet, sort of contemplative time in your life. Now, whether that contemplative time happens for you in the car so that you don't have the radio turned on or whatever it is that you listen to, My daughter tells me radio is so old school, but whatever. Um, She never listens to the radio. But whatever it is that occupies you during your drive, what if you just let that be quiet time? I think that there's a profound gift in just creating mental space for ourselves, creating space for us to watch and notice what's happening in our lives, to notice where God is moving, to notice the person that is sitting on the side of the road to pay attention to the beautiful ocean views that we get to enjoy every day. So our first practice for Lent is about creating a life of worship, a life of communal worship that we do here on Sundays and a life of of devotional worship that we do during the week. I want to invite you to journey with us to take this walk, to let this season of Lent be one where you take steps closer in your discipleship, in your times of worship, together here in this community and alone. Let's take this journey together. Will you pray? 
God, it is in worship that we encounter you. It is in worship that we hear your word for us and worship that we are quieted and stilled in the midst of a chaotic world. It is in worship that we lift our hearts in song and praise and gratitude and in hope. And so, God, in this season of Lent, call us closer to you. Open our hearts to this practice, a practice of worship and focus on your grace. For we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen.